Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 139 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Thrilled that you're here today, as usual. Today, I'm talking to the incredible and lovely Alexandra Villasante, who um, is just like my new best friend. So it was wonderful to speak to her. She has such a charming and delightful spirit and a wonderful way of looking at writing. And you're gonna love it. Uh, this introduction will be a little bit short. I struggled with a migraine this week. I went out of town with some writer friends to the Madonna Inn, which is this crazy pink castle, basically, in San Luis Obispo. I'd never stayed there. It is just a magical AF. Um, but I got a tremendously bad migraine, one of the worst in a long time. Uh, and I lost an entire day of work and play, and really we were only there for a day and a half, so I was kind of bummed about that, and I'm just scraping everything back together this week, um, but everything got done in time. I had two big deadlines this week and hit them both by the skin of my teeth, and you know what? That's what we do as writers, and um, the only thing I re- really catch you up on right now is I'm pivoting in my Patreon. I was writing about um, the year of less, of spending more consciously and not spending as unconsciously as I had been. But honestly, that got kind of a little bit boring. And what I've really been thinking about is issues of control and specifically letting go of control, which is for me very difficult. I'm one of those people who likes to sit on the window seat so I can look out the window for planes. Because if one gets too close, I'll probably have time to run up through the cabin, knock on the cabin, the, the, the captain's door, and alert him that he may want to change direction. And that is only slight hyperbole. I believe that I, I, I don't believe, I know that I have actually uh, looked out the window for that reason. I am a control freak. And I'm learning to let go of a lot of things. And it feels really good. And I want to explore that in my Patreon essays. So that is something I started doing this week. And that felt wonderful. So that's fun and new. The book is coming out soon in like three weeks. So um, in the next couple of weeks, I'll change my mid podcast ad read to be something about stolen things because I feel like I should be telling you guys about this book that I'm so proud of and that I love and that I'm so hopeful and excited for. So that'll be coming. But in the meantime, let's jump into the interview with Alexandra, who you will love. And thank you for listening. I hope that you're getting your own writing done. And it really does thrill me when you email me and tell me about how it's all going. And um, so keep doing that. I love it. Or go over to howdoyouwrite.net and drop a comment, whatever you'd like. Thank you, folks. And onward. Happy writing. Why, yes, I do have a Patreon. I write essays about living an honest, creative life, and truly, they're the most important thing I write each month. I wouldn't be able to afford the serious time it takes to write them without the support of my benefactors. They are true patrons of the arts in the old-fashioned sense of the word. If you become one of my sponsors for as little as $1 a month, and seriously, those $1 pledges add up and are amazing, you'll get each essay as I write them as well as the full backlist, more than 24 essays that I'm really freaking proud of. 
Other perks at other levels include being thanked in the acknowledgments and getting a signed copy of each new book I write. You can even get monthly coaching from me at a cheaper rate than I normally offer. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to find out more. And thank you so much. Okay, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Alexandra Villasante. Hello, Alex. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. You are a client of my friend, Barbara Powell. And Woo-hoo! Barbara picks good people. That's all I know. Um, so, And I'm already loving you. Let me give you a little introduction. Um, Alexandra Villasante has always loved telling stories, though not always with words. She has a BFA in painting and an MA in combined media. That's art school speak for making work out of anything, which I love. Born in New <laughs> Jersey to immigrant, pra- immigrant parents, Alex has the privilegio of dreaming in both English and Spanish. When she's not writing, painting, or chasing chickens around the yard, I want chickens so bad, Alex plans conferences and fundraisers for nonprofits. She lives with her family in the semi-wilds of Pennsylvania. We almost got chickens a while oh, back. Oh, really? We were so close. I, I had recommend. like recommend. We, we had the coop plans and everything, but I don't think she's in the shot right now, but then we got this beagle pit bull mix, and she would eat a chicken, and she, oh. would, she would get to a chicken, so yeah, and there's an attrition rate yeah yeah there's a high attrition rate for chickens that that it's kind of a little heartbreaking yeah like you know we are down to our last we're down to our last chicken (laughs) we're down book title right there down to the last chicken chicken. yeah uh that's like like a very dark picture book right (laughs) but i love it i want chicken tv my dad has chickens and they have chicken tv you just go out and watch them yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about you and your writing. This is a show where I like to get down to mm-hmm. nuts and bolts about how you actually get this gig done. Um, yeah. So what is your writing process? What does that look like to you day to day? So uh, my book just came out on June 11th. So I'm not the things I'm about to mention. I'm not doing any of them. Well, like you're it's gone on, out of the window. You're on <laughs> a launch status right now. Yes, is this a is a completely different planet be. that I'm on. Yeah. I don't recognize this planet. It's kind of cool. But I'm like, what? Um, but on a normal day, um, I am the kind of person who writes, um, tries to write every day. Uh, I don't have a set schedule because I'm an event planner during the day and sometimes it's a uh, you know crunch time and you're spending a lot of hours just working on an event right before it happens and then sometimes I have a lot more free time. But one of the things that I do do is I sort of try to inhabit the world of my story every day. And actually it's more than try, I do it. Like if it's in the shower or if it's in the garden or if it's chasing the aforementioned chicken. <laughs> I, I, I stay in that world, even if it's not like in a sort of creator way where I'm like, what's the next thing to happen? Where I'm just like kind of sitting with those characters, thinking about their lives and what they would be doing on a sunny day like I'm doing and just really staying in touch with it. Because I think that while the adage of getting your butt in a chair every day, I don't particularly believe in, mm-hmm. I do believe that you need to stay like 
connected to your story every day. So that's, that's what I want I try to do. And then usually it's in the mornings, because that's the time that I become a morning person. I have all of the neurons in the morning by And I know that we're talking night. at nine o'clock at night, yeah. your time. I'm so sorry, you're doing great so far. I could really <laughs> like the end of this could be a train wreck. I'm just warning you now. But, uh, but yeah, so that's what I like to do. That's like, my, um, having said that I will and have written anywhere. I have written in a car waiting for a like acting class from one of my kids to finish. I'll like just sit there hunched over like a gnome. Um, <laughs> I've, I've written in every conceivable kind of public place, the Walmart, the <laughs> bus stop the, where I'm not taking a bus, like really anywhere that will just accommodate me with like some floor space I have written. And, you know, that's kind of what you need to do. If you take it seriously, you need to can stay connected to the world that you're building and to, you know, be prepared to get those words out whenever they come. You can't wait for a perfect time, place, or, you know, inspiration. That's, at least not for me, that doesn't work. I love that idea too, of staying in constant contact with the characters. I think that is something that I have always failed to do. And when I shut a book and for whatever reason, if I'm on deadline for something else and I don't go back for a week or two, it's almost like I pretend it doesn't exist that I've never thought of them. Mm -hmm. And I, f and I have this guilt that piles up about not being with them. So then I push them out of my mind completely. And then when I, I come back so. to the desk, it's like, they're, you know, they're, they're pissed. They don't want right, to talk to me anymore. They're giving you the cold shoulder. They're like, I'm, mm -mm, <laughs> it's like mm -mm, a cat. I used, I used to have a cat that would like, <laughs> he would pee on my bed and only when I had been out of the country for a few weeks. And then, yeah. you know, while I was sleeping, I think that's what my books do to me. I, and I love that they idea. The they yeah. pee on the bed. <laughs> and, um, I love that of just kind of hanging out with them. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I think maybe I don't know if you do this, but I think some people think that they, you have to do a lot of work with characters if you're going to do any work at all. And I don't think that's necessarily true. If you just sort of think of them and keep them alive, the way that you would sometimes if you just have a memory of something that you love and makes you happy, you can do the same thing with the scene that you really love, you're really looking forward to and just check in with it that way. So that's what's worked for me. That's huge. I, I am going to adopt that. I'm going to try to remember to do all that. Right. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? <sighs> <That's a good laughs> uh, you can edit that out right um <laughs> i would not want to <laughs> <laughs> it's so real um i think for me um my biggest challenge i was thinking about this my biggest challenge is really also in a way my biggest joy so when you know i don't have that much i enjoy drafting i'm like you know plugging away at something and um and then when i get uh, a, a edit letter back from my editor it's usually very long, <laughs> detailed, <laughs> everything I've ever done wrong, you know, and, um, but it's, uh, it's never going to be, um, Hey, this is wrong. Fix it like this. It's going to be, Hey, this is wrong. Go do the work. Yeah. So, um, the thing that is challenging, um, but I, I kind of love is when I'm like, no, I can't do that. No, it's impossible. And I like, like my, I know myself now. So I let myself go through all those steps. Like, this is ridiculous. What does she want? Blood from a stone? And I'm like doing that, like you know, pacing, you know, my kids are like, what is she doing? But at the same time that I'm complaining and rejecting and going, doing all this defensive stuff that you do when you get an edit letter and it's challenging, the back of my mind is going, no, wait, hold on. I got an idea. 
And I, that's actually one of my biggest joys, that sort of moment of epiphany where it just sort of like, and, and it happens, I'm sure, in the back, way it, in the back. I'm in convinced like the of that too. It's the, it's the, it's under the bleachers in the subconscious, yes, but it's working. There. Yeah. And, and while you're complaining, cause you're like spinning your wheels, the back is going, hold up. I got this. And then some magic starts to happen. And I love that feeling. It's a, I mean, that is, I am convinced that all of the difficulties that it is being a writer and a published art author and whatever stage you are, it's, there's a lot of heartache for sure, but that feeling, I mean, it's worth it. I it's worth it. totally agree. I, I always think of it like it has this noise and I've written about it before, but it, it's like it goes shunk as all yes. the, all the pieces slide in exactly where they were supposed to go. But you yes. had no idea until that moment. Um, Barbara O'Neill calls that the girls in the basement. Like there girls, the in the basement. girls in the basement da- in yes. your brain. They're just down there just talking about it, working it out for you. And then they, they shoot it up to you every once in a while. Yes. And then when I get it, I, I giggle like a girl in the basement. Yes. Like I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like there's like, it's euphoria. It really is. I usually um, like turn so, to Twitter and try to say something happy about it, but you can't describe that feeling. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't experienced it, people think you're nuts. So yeah, you're supposed to let's just keep it between us. And that's what I love about <laughs> revision is because it happens so much more often than it does in a first draft. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um, yes. So I have, I have two, but I will keep it down to one. Um, okay. So one of them actually is Barbara's. Ooh, so good. I don't know if she's, yeah. So, um, whenever you're, so, you know, you know that you, when you write and you finish, you have to write the next thing. It's always about writing the next thing. You don't stop because right. you don't, and you shouldn't either because it's like a muscle and you have to keep it I think exercised. It's healthy. And it's healthy for us. Yeah, it is. It is. It's also healthy to get yourself out of the world that you spend a lot of time in to get into another world, even though it feels difficult. So write the next thing. But a lot of times, you know, you have three, maybe four ideas that you've been kicking around for a while and you sort of worked on them in your head. Um, and those are great. But before you choose one of them, one of Barbara's adages is to write blurbs, sort of like come up with ideas, 20 of them, not 19, not 21 exactly 20. And in my head, I call it the drop and give me 20. (laughs) And, and I've done this for her and it has worked. But so you get your five, you start and you're like, okay, you do your little word document and you number your things and you go number one, two, three, four, five, and you're fine with those. Right. And then you're going to dig deep a little bit and you come up with the next five. And then like, you know, 10 to 15 is like scraping the bottle of a barrel. And then from 15 to 20, like something really magical happens where you are like, you're looking everywhere for story. You're just looking at like, Oh, cereal and rulers. That makes a story. No, wait. And you just, <laughs> you're, you're really, you're, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You're pushing yourself toward like ideas that maybe you even, even haven't considered and sort of, you know, if you've had an idea for a meet cute, but it's something that you are a little afraid of or you know, just even some subconsciously you haven't wanted to go there for those last five to make 20, you will go there. And that has consistently been where I've gotten the idea that Robert goes, write that one. I love you and I hate you right now because that sounds so (laughs) hard. And I'm actually deciding, I'm deciding between, between three books right now. So that's a perfect exercise. So I have an expansion question on that. Do you do this all in one sitting? No, it takes me days. Okay, I was going to say, I couldn't do that. 
it yeah. takes me days and it does something weird to your brain. It, it, I think it rewires your, the way you think a little bit yeah. because you are, you know, you're used to coming up with ideas and thinking things like A plus B equals C. <laughs> but this is such a, the, the, the pressure to get 20 and the pressure to get 20 that are different, you, you, you get your subconscious working. So uh, one idea that actually, so the book before the grief keeper was a book that we went on submission and there was some interest, but ultimately it didn't sell. Um, but it was a, a, one of the drop, drop and give me 20 ideas. Um, and I had it like while I was like half asleep. Um, my brain was still revved and trying to find an idea and it came to me and I wrote a whole book and it was successful in the way that Barbara loved it and we went on submission and there was interest and really out of a, an idea that I would not have had if I hadn't pushed myself in that way, it was, it was pretty good. So yeah, but it took me like four or five days to come up with 20. Yeah. I am so excited about this. This is one of the best craft tips <laughs> I, hope I have for you. ever oh, heard. Seriously. It's actually Barbara's because you know that she she does not play. She Barbara does, does not play. Barbara does not, if, if people have not <laughs> heard that episode, go back and listen. Yeah, Barbara Powell, just a few episodes ago. So, what's your other craft tip for us? So, my other craft tip has to do with my background in um, going to art school and having a, a bachelor's and, and a master's in art. Um, and and it, you don't have to have that, but if you have a if you're blocked, if you have writer's block and you're really struggling and you're, it's not coming to you and you're feeling a little desperate, something that helps me is to shift the way that I'm getting the story out. So I'll start drawing my main characters or I'll draw a scene or one time I had, was working on a fantasy book, didn't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> and I drew a map, I drew a map of the, of the world that I was building. And for me using my hands in that tactile way really helps dislodge the writer's block but i i've heard friends use other things like even if it's something like knitting using being physical and using your hands sort of again rewires the brain sort of like reroutes you around your writer's block so i feel like if you are experiencing writer's block and you are you know butting your head up against a wall um don't <laughs> go around, build another path. And that's often by doing something manual or physical. That's beautiful. And I really like the map idea because I'm not a visual artist of any kind. Um, and I actually have a hard time seeing things visually in my brain, mm -hmm. but a map I know I can draw and I can imagine that wandering around on this map, I use this as a memoir exercise where people draw the map oh. where they, where they grew up and suddenly you start making connections. Oh, and then there was that thing that led to oh, that yeah. night and then that happened. But I, I can imagine that would happen the same thing for a book. So this is, that a, sounds great. Yeah. Another, oh, I love your tips. <laughs> okay. So, um, I put it in the wrong file here. Where is it? I have a new question. You're this, you're the guinea pig for this. Yeah. So, uh, regular mm. listeners will know. <laughs> What is the, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? So again, I'm going to go back to the art school, um, thing that, that experience. And I, and I guess for anybody else, it would be whatever your day job is or like a past life, something else that you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me going to art school really taught me how to see and how to observe in a way that I think sometimes writers have to learn when they're doing the old, you know, show don't tell. Um, because when you are either drawing or painting or even making films, because in my master's degree, I ended up making movies because I don't really know why. <laughs> anyway, that's just 
straw veil <laughs> over that. But uh, um, but it turn it makes you sort of take a step back and not take uh, for granted the things that you're looking at. So um, just looking at things differently, looking at them from different perspectives, looking at them from from for example, if I'm going to write about somebody's uh, uh, blue dress, I'm not going to sit there and describe the blue dress and you know exactly what shade it is. I mean, I might, but more important to me is connecting it to um, an emotion. So it's the blue dress that her grandmother wore or the blue dress that her grandmother never wore or, and, and it have every object has a story. So you're really thinking of it of a deeper way than just its physical appearance. So I think that's something that um, having that art school background has really taught me. You can really, really see things. I, I love that. I am again, bad at it, but when I'm, when I'm actually in my meditation practice on a regular basis, I find my eyes are a lot more able to see things around me and they inspire thoughts, but, oh, wow. uh, but other times I'm just oh, like, I I'm just head down. You know? I'm terrible at meditation. <laughs> I'm just super bad at it. So Everybody's I, I bad think at that's it. fascinating. That's part, really? of, that's part of the process. The whole thing is to get distracted. That's part, that is meditation. The part of when you get distracted and remember you're supposed to be meditation, meditating, that's the meditation. It's just the practice of keeping bringing yourself back. And I bring myself okay. back every half second sometimes. Okay. You are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> when I learned that, it blew my mind. That I, is, I, I, push, I'm like, I didn't know that, that was for the that. brain. Yeah. No, that's what? the whole thing. And now like I went to, I went to this meditation, like six days silent retreat earlier this year, which was amazing. But, um, by the end of that retreat, I could actually hold focus on the now around me for sometimes up to 10 seconds, but that's the longest I've ever got without having a thought that I chase right. around and that's part of, that's part of meditation. Bring 10 seconds back. is a huge time. I know. And now I'm back down to like two seconds on my best day, but <laughs> well, man, that's awesome. I love that. That would be, I would love, I, I aspire to 10 seconds of focus. There's a great app called Headspace that does like a week free yeah, and they're, and they're great. Cause he just talks you through it and you never have to be alone in your head. He just, he's got a beautiful British accent too. So. Oh, oh okay. Maybe. But do you fall asleep? Have you ever fallen asleep? No, I can't fall asleep in my bed. It's not a danger for me. <laughs> like oh, I can't okay. fall asleep anywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's good. It's getting better. That's a different podcast. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Exactly. All right. Now I would love it if you would tell us about where you can be found and a little bit about your new book that just came out. Sure. Um, so I'll start with a new book. It's called The Grief Keeper. Which is and... such a great title, by the way. Is that your title you. or did they, did they find it? So it was initially called uh, the grief sister mm. because at the core of it is really a relationship between the two sisters, Marisol and Gabby. Uh, but it was really Barbara again, who came up with the grief keeper because she's it. that smart. She just is. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, sidebar and not answering your question. When she offered me representation all those years ago, the first thing out of my mouth was, I love you. <laughs> right. Like we had met, like we'd met once, like, and she's like, hey, I'd like to offer you a representation. And I just blurted out, I love you. And she said, great. So I'll be sending you a letter. Like, <laughs> Oh I've God, seen I'm her so do good. that super professional thing. Yeah. My friend Sophie and I just break down and we do stupid things when we're together. And Barbara never breaks. Like she breaks yeah. later when she's drinking sure. in, the, in the courtyard. Yeah. But like when it's a professional moment, she just keeps going. It's yeah. a beautiful it thing to see. It was amazing. And I, I still, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I often am like, still love you. Um, so, so that was Barbara. But so the Gravekeeper is about two sisters from El Salvador um, who flee their country 
because of the violence and they get to the United States and they are detained by ICE and um, they're given an unusual choice, either be immediately deported or participate in a cutting edge clinical trial of a device that transfers grief from one person to another. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so Marie, that's heavy. Yeah, so Marisol uh, is the older sister, and she will do anything to protect her little sister Gabby, and she immediately says, yes, I will do it. Whatever it is, I will do it. Um, and she, the experiment is to try to alleviate a really debilitating grief and uh, depression from um, a girl named Ray who has just lost her twin brother. And um, the, the two girls are sort of locked in this uh, relationship to, and they each want to get something out of it. But what ends up happening and how their relationship progressed is something that I was really interested in. So it's really about families and love and feeling that everyone deserves love, even when you maybe don't think that you do. I, you're hitting like all of my favorite sweet, st- sweet spots, sisters, twins, and grief. I'll basically read anything with any of those things in it, but put all three together. I am getting this. That sounds really wonderful. And <laughs> oh, tell, us, sounds good to me. tell us where you can be found online. So um, my website is Alexandra Villasante, and I said it the American way, and you did, I have to say, you did a beautiful job of saying Calif- Alexandra Villasante. I did a California Perfect. like what a job, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. No, that's it was good. Um, so it's uh, Alexandra Villasante, alexandravillasante.com. And my uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are Magpie Writes. And I'm usually uh, avoiding writing on Instagram. <laughs> I love Instagram. I spent an <laughs> I hour this afternoon looking at it's song happy. patterns. It's happy. I mean, so it's happy. happy. So I do love it too. Yeah. You are adorable <laughs> and I love you. And oh, I would love I to too. meet you somewhere someday and hang out because you're I'll definitely my people. The sun's still out over there. So it I'm, is. I'm it's heading, like, it's I'm not heading gonna, over there. It's not going to be down for like two more hours, two and a half more hours. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Okay. Come visit. All right. All thank right, you Alex. for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a so joy. Much. You too. Happy okay. writing. Bye. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Thank you.